Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church right here in Covington, and we're so glad to be able to bring you the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, right into your homes or your automobile or wherever you are now able to listen. Uh, as uh, this radio broadcast uh, goes on the air, uh, we will be also meeting at our sanctuary at 10.30 a.m., uh, we also are reaching out through live stream on Facebook, uh, having our services broadcast uh, every week in that form, and we're, we're just thankful that the Lord has provided several different means by which we can get good news to those who need it, especially those who may need it especially uh, today. Uh, today, I'd like for us to consider a subject which will kind of be a continuation of the sermon I preached two weeks ago, and it centers on this idea of fixing our eyes on Jesus. I think this is a paramount need for God's people. There is a need for single-mindedness, and we live in a double-minded world. Uh, today, I've titled this message, Choked, squeezed, and outwitted. Uh, we uh, need so much to be single-minded as Christians. Now, the scripture points to this idea and this need of being single-minded. For example, in Hebrews chapter 12, a verse that we looked at two weeks ago in <clears throat> that sermon, uh, the writer of Hebrews, of course, encourages these Christians in, in the faith to, to fix their eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith. He goes on to say that what Jesus did, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, we see some of these same thoughts. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. We need to be single-minded. And the thoughts that come out of our mind need to be those that are wrapped around our relationship with the Lord, not the world. There's also a phrase in 2 Corinthians 4.18 that we looked at two weeks ago that points to this need for single-mindedness. There the Apostle Paul says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what we're, we're needing to do as Christians is to, is to fix our eyes on spiritual things future things, things that matter more than anything else on the eternal. Now, we live in a world that is filled with distractions. So many things call for us to take our eyes off of Jesus, and that causes double-mindedness. And uh, in, the, in the message two weeks ago, we looked at Simon Peter as a good example of that, and that it's a popular story 
where Jesus comes to the disciples walking on the water. They are uh, surprised and uh, scared, and he says, it's just me. And Simon Peter says, well, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water to meet you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter hopped out of the boat, and sure enough, he was able to walk on water until he was distracted by the wind, the storm that was going on right then. And he began to sink because of that distraction. It put fear in his heart and mind, whereas when he was looking at Jesus and fixing his eyes on Jesus, he wasn't distracted by the storm. So this is a perfect example of single-mindedness versus double-mindedness. Now, what we want to do is ask ourselves the question, what causes double-mindedness in the life of a Christian? And I guess uh, one, one of the easy answers to that question would be because we live in a world that's filled with sin and trouble and heartache and uh, disasters and temptations we live in a world where the, the old devil is called the prince of the world. And that's all true. But I, I'd like for us to consider some actual hands-on elements of this uh, disease that, that Christians run into called double-mindedness. And the first, we'll go back to that sermon that we did two weeks ago and that is that the word or the scripture, God's word, uh, that secures us is choked out. And therefore, we fail and we become unfruitful as Christians. It's because it's choked out. And if you'll remember that message, we looked at the parable of the sower. And Jesus teaches that parable uh, about the seed that was sown in every direction. And some of it fell on the pathway which was hard ground, and the birds came and snatched it up, and that was a representation of hard-hearted people where the word never even gets to the first layer of their hearts. And then he talked about uh, the seed that was, was sown on the, the hard ground where there were rocks underneath the soil. And therefore, the roots didn't go down very deep, and the hot sun came out and scorched the plant. And this is a representation, Jesus later says, uh, of shallow hearts. And uh, that, that's something that we need to consider sometime as well, because so much of Christianity today uh, is shallow. And, and so many who say that they have Jesus as their Savior, they, they just have shallow hearts. And this is dangerous. But then Jesus talks about the seed that fell among thorns. And even though it began to take root, it wasn't long until the thorns sprang up and wrapped around those seeds and choked, choked the plants out. And the, the interpretation of that for life for his disciples is in Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, where Jesus says, Still others, like seed sown among thorns, Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it <clears throat> unfruitful. 
Now, this, dear friend, is an example of the double-minded heart, of the distracted heart. Uh, the cause of this unfruitfulness, the cause of the lack of life and growth on the part of these plants, <clears throat> is because of the worries of this life, Jesus says. That's the first thing. Uh, let's call that insecurity. We have anxiety, we have care, we have worry about the things that are facing us. Uh, we, we worry about tomorrow. Uh, this word for care or worry in the Greek that Jesus uses and, and that the gospel writers use literally means to be drawn in different directions. Well, isn't that what happens when we worry? We are drawn in different directions. Our lives are scattered, they're pulled and we're filled with anxiety. It makes us unfruitful as Christians. The second thing Jesus says that chokes us out is the, the deceitfulness of riches. And we spent quite a while on that <clears throat> two weeks ago. Because riches can pull the wool over your eyes. People become so concerned about how much they have, <clears throat> they worry about what they don't have. And many times when they get enough riches that they, they think they're going to be satisfied, that gives them false security. That's what the word deceitful means. Literally, this Greek word says, that which gives a false impression. And money and possessions, wealth if you want to call it that, can give you false impressions about security, about happiness, about relationships. So that's another example of the thorns that spring up and choke us. They, they, they choke the spiritual. And, and the third thing Jesus mentions of, of the choker is the desire for other things. And this is the word that we would often translate as lust, a deep longing desire for something else. And uh, in most of the cases where this, this Greek word is used, it points to things that won't help us and things that we shouldn't even attempt to have. So this desire for other things is certainly present in our world. And my goodness, how many children of God, how many Christians have we seen to go downhill in their faith sometimes perhaps even losing their faith and their relationship to the Lord because they desired the things of the world. You know, uh, John writes in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, and, and he says there, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, there's that word desire, deep desire, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. And then in verse 17, he says, don't you know that the world and its desires are going to pass away? They don't last very long, <clears throat> but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So this idea of the, the word, the secure word of God and the promises of God, that which should give us security, that's choked out uh, because of these, these things. And we fail. We become unfruitful. Well, let's move on. 
because I wanted you to see something else uh, that causes double-mindedness in the heart and the life of Christians, and that is worldly patterns that squeeze believers into the molds that they really didn't desire. So here's the word squeeze. Um, worldly patterns, and of course this, uh, this scripture uh, is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's a very familiar passage, of course, for most Christians because it's there in Romans 12 where Paul writes and says, I, I want to urge you to submit yourselves to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. And then in verse 2 he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this word conform is the word that points out this idea of fashioning or shaping one thing like another. And uh, the Greek word suskematizo literally means to fashion or to shape one thing like another. Paul says don't do that in your Christian life. Uh, J.B. Phillips' translation really puts his finger on the truth of this scripture. And I'd like to just read those two verses out of the Phillips translation. And here is that translation. He says, With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goal of maturity. Now, did you catch those words In verse 2, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Here's the double-mindedness. We're distracted. Uh, The world has so much pressure, so much temptation. And it squeezes us into its mold rather than us staying in the mold of God, letting him remold our minds. I like the... uh, message translation of this idea too. Verse 2 in in Peterson's message says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I, I, I love that. Um, the, the culture that we live in today, it does drag us down to its own level. And that's, it squeezes us. Um, don't you feel threatened by so many things in the world today that's accepted, that, that the word doesn't accept, that, that the Lord Jesus condemned? You see, the Apostle Paul proposes that we, be, that we become or that we allow ourselves to be changed into 
living sacrifices that we place ourselves on the altar of God. Uh, many of you uh, will recall the statement by Rick Warren in his life-changing book, The Purpose Driven Life, when he said that the bad thing about living sacrifice is that we're able to crawl, crawl off the altar whenever we want to. And that, that statement really hit me hard because it's true, isn't it? You see, when we give our lives as a, a living sacrifice to the Lord, that's a voluntary thing. He, he doesn't keep us unless we want to be there. He won't hold us there. If we decide we want to leave, he'll, he'll allow us to do that. There's nothing automatic about the Christian life. It's a daily process of commitment. And you see, that's what we do when the world starts squeezing us into its mold. We crawl off. We think to ourselves, let, let me think about this. Um, think, think about the ideas that we're uh, bombarded with every day, schedules that are overbooked. And I'm probably talking to a lot of people who are busier than they ought to be, busier than they need to be, busier than God wants them to be. And I've always said it's so easy to put God on hold. We, we, say, we say to the Lord basically, well, I, I need to get this done, Lord. I, I'll catch up my spirituality tomorrow. I'll catch up with my Bible reading and my devotions and prayer tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to do better spiritually. But, but tomorrow, uh, all tomorrow brings is more of that busy schedule. Appointments that are, that are not evil, they're not bad, but they call for us to preempt the Lord. And, and then there are hobbies and interests that, that begin as stress relievers, but over time, they cause more stress because they sap our time and our energy, and they begin to impose even more stress on us. Um, in the beginning, we have not thought of forsaking the Lord or putting him <clears throat> in a sidelight area. We, we say, in essence, Lord, I'll, I'll be right back. I just need to take care of this. So there is this idea of worldly patterns that squeeze us. So <clears throat> the word is choked and we are squeezed. And the third idea that I just want to mention here before we finish is that Satan's schemes outwit us. <clears throat> and we fall into his trap. His schemes outwit us. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the Apostle Paul says this, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, <clears throat> for we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, I think I need to, to mention here and emphasize that the subject that Paul's dealing with is the fact that we need to forgive folk when they sin against us. Uh, also the idea that we, we need to try to get people who have fallen back into the world, back into the church again, back into their relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> and that's the subject he's dealing with. And verse 11, of course, then he emphasizes, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. You see, one of the devil's schemes is that we 
have bitterness, that we retain bitterness in our hearts when somebody sins against us. And that if if a church member, a, a, a brother and sister in Christ falls away from the Lord, then we we think to ourselves, well, probably better off that, that they left. Well, that's Satan's scheme. Satan's trying to outwit us. Satan's planting these ideas in our minds. And Paul says we're not unaware of his schemes. So there's two words here that he uses that we need to pay attention to. One is the word outwit. The Greek word literally means to gain an advantage, to seek to get more. Satan does outwit us so many times. You know, we take Satan for granted. We don't give him enough credit. He's a mastermind. And he has schemes. And this word, this word translated schemes is noema. Um, it, it's that which is well thought out. That which is well thought out. He has his plans, his methods. And speaking of methods, take a look at Ephesians 6 and verse 11. Paul's getting ready to introduce the armor of God that we need as Christians. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The King James Version calls it the wiles of the devil. The Greek word is methodia, from which comes our English word method. Does Satan have a method? Does Satan have a method to get the best of Christians? He certainly does. And we fall into those schemes, those traps, those methods. The, this word methodia literally means to lie in wait. Satan is lying in wait every day, every hour, every minute to trap you and me into one of his schemes. Have you ever watched, I, one of my favorite cartoons is, is uh, The Roadrunner. And you know there's Wild E. Coyote. You remember old Wild E? Why is he called Wild E? W-I-L-E, E, period. Well, it's because he constantly lies in wait to catch the Roadrunner so that he can overcome him. And that's what Satan's doing with us. And Paul's able to say, we're not unaware of his schemes. Can you say that, dear friend? Satan is a thinker. Satan is a planner. He's a schemer. He's not going to tempt us with ideas that will obviously get us into trouble. Uh, we can think of Jesus' temptations. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus was tempted by the devil. And he won the battle. He overcame the devil. But do you remember what, what all Satan did trying to tempt Jesus to sin? You know, Satan will quote scripture to you to make you question God's will. He'll take it out of context, of course, but that's what he did with Jesus. He even quoted him scripture. And he will offer easy but futile options for you to fulfill God's word and obtain spirituality. And those are bogus <clears throat> Those easy options won't get you into a relationship with the Lord. And he will appeal to your, your present desires, your immediate desires, rather 
than the eternal benefits that you will have in your faithfulness to keeping his word. <clears throat> so double-mindedness is, is when the word is choked and we are squeezed into the world's molds and when we are outwitted by the devil's schemes. Let me ask you, is the power and the truth of God's word being choked out of your life through worry, deceit of riches, desire for other things? Are the world's patterns squeezing you into its mold? Do you feel yourself becoming more and more worldly every day and you can't understand it? It's because of the squeeze, dear friends. And are you allowing Satan's schemes and devices to outwit you? Are you falling for the devil's whispers, for his offerings, his bait? Have you fallen into his trap? You don't have to stay there. You can call on the name of the Lord and he can rescue you. Let the word of God live and thrive in your life. Don't let it be choked. And don't allow your Christianity to be squeezed by the world's temptations and troubles and pressures. And don't let Satan outwit you. If you're not a Christian today, you can have Jesus. And if you're not the Christian that you ought to be, you can overcome the devil's pressure in your life. Get rid of that sin. Uh, get rid of those barriers and serve him. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this morning. Thank you for your word that is just so productive as long as we allow it to come in and work in us. Bless these that are listening today. Uh, help them, Lord, that they won't let the word be choked out. Don't let them be squeezed into the world's molds. Don't let them be outwitted by the devil's plans and methods. Let Jesus be victorious in their lives. We pray in his precious name. Amen.